Hey everyone, it's Jordan Angeli, and we're bringing you a special bonus episode of the U.S. Soccer Podcast. A topic that we've discussed on this show and tried to explore with our guests is the importance of representation and inclusivity in soccer. We're thrilled to bring you a fantastic panel on this topic of inclusion in sports from 2021 She Believes Summit presented by Deloitte. U.S. Women's National Team defender Tierna Davidson and Danita Johnson, president of business operations for DC United, join industry leaders Terry Cooper, Zaylene John Muhammad, and Shizuka Suzuki, and Nicole Iruwu to discuss tackling the challenges faced by women, women of color, and the LGBT communities, the importance of inclusive leadership, allyship, and more. All of this was in support of the She Believes Summit, part of U.S. Soccer's ongoing commitment to empowering young girls and women through the core pillars of confidence, career, and community. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the 2021 She Believes Summit. My name is Nicole Idowu, and I'm the Director of IT Support Services at the Federation. I'm also a member of the She Believes Committee and the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Committees. Today, I'm joined by a lovely group of ladies to discuss sports and inclusion. I'll let them introduce themselves, and we'll start with Danita. Hi, my name is Danita Johnson. I'm the President of Business Operations for DC United. Hi, I'm Terry Cooper. Um, I'm a partner at Deloitte. I'm the uh, Vice Chair for External Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, and I'm just so thrilled to be with you all today. Hi, and I'm Shiz Suzuki with AT&T, and I oversee the sponsorships and experiential marketing at the company. Hi, everyone. I'm Zaylene Jan Mohammed, Head of Partnership Development and Innovation at LA28. Happy to be here. Hi, everyone. My name is Trina Davidson, and I'm a professional soccer player for the Chicago Red Stars and the U.S. Women's National Team. Welcome, ladies, and thanks again for joining me today. So we're here to discuss sports and inclusion. And I think most people in the audience and around us understand the sports piece, but inclusion is such a tricky word that means a lot of different things to different people. So I wonder what does it mean to you all? And feel free to jump in there. I'm happy to go first. I mean, inclusion to me really means that you create an environment where everybody can truly be their authentic selves. You know, one of the things that I talk about all the time is if you think about having a diverse group of people, it's like being invited to a party. You think about inclusion, you're at the party, you're actually asked to dance. And, and that has a profound difference on an effect on you and how you feel. So to me, it, it's, it's, it's that just truly create an environment where you really feel that you can belong and be your authentic self. Yeah, Teresa, well said. I, I would agree 100%. And I think for me, it's the way I try to practice it is it's not just about making sure that I'm inviting the right people and everybody into a meeting or onto a call. It is about when they come on, making sure I'm listening, making sure that they're feeling valued, making sure that they feel respected and open in sharing that opinion. And it's a very, there's a difference, right? I think it, it's a it's a change from just making sure, did I get all the right people to when they come on, are they being accepted for who they are? Completely agree. I think you're right. By definition, it is about equal access and equal opportunity. But I think we all agree that is just table stakes. It's really, you know, the, the part that is inclusion is really about being appreciated and respected, being heard. Um, I use a more simplistic example of I have a younger sister who's four years younger. And of course, you know, when you're like seven years old and your younger sister's three and your mom's like, hey, like share your toys. Right. So by pure nature of sharing my toys, giving her equal opportunity is one thing. But when my friends are over and my, my, my mom's like, you need to you need to play with your sister. Right. 
that is where it's about making sure that she feels included, making sure that she's part of that. And that's not always easy. Inclusion is not always easy. And that's just because we're all different as people. And, you know, when you start to enter into that different cultural backgrounds and different experiences, right? So it is really about having that openness, having that um, dialogue and being okay with being uncomfortable sometimes. That uncomfortableness is part of the growth um, for all of us um, as we go through our own individual journeys. I would just like to say that, you know, with um, soccer, it's, it's really interesting because you have to be able to be inclusive both on the field and off the field. A lot of what we do is only um, as successful as much as we trust each other um, as a as a whole person, not just as a player. And so it in, it involves including people as they come onto a team, as they're new, um, you know, if they are changing roles. Um, and it really involves the off the field connections that we have to make in order to make our connections on the field work and be seamless. As I was preparing for this call, I think the thing about inclusion that I've learned in this last year is that you actually don't stop learning how to do it. And you have to be open in that mindset to know that times change and people are different and your environment will change. And so you you can't one day be inclusive and then feel like that's that's just who you are for the rest of your life. I think it's you have to be open-minded and really teachable and make sure that you are always kind of striving to do that and to keep keep those values core to who you are and at the front of your brain in every single situation that you're in. You know, for all of us in leadership positions is to make sure we're asking the questions in order to create an inclusive environment. So asking for somebody's opinion, asking for feedback, because not everybody's going to step up and say it in that moment. So I think when we lead, it is very important for us as leaders to make sure that we are creating the opportunity for people to actually have the opportunity to say if they feel included or to create space for them to actually be included through the dialogue that we have with them every day, whether that comes in our virtual meetings that we have, whether it's going through email, text message, phone conversation. Sometimes we just have to be very conscious of how we speak to people and the questions we ask in order to create opportunity for inclusion. In today's environment, that ability to really be thoughtful and then bring people into the conversation and really be inclusive because Zoom meetings make it very difficult. We're all, no matter how young or how, how old we are, we're all struggling with this environment, the lack of social interaction. And it becomes even more critically important, even when we're on this sort of Zoom meeting is looking to say, you know, have we allowed everybody to have their voice? How are we actually ensuring everybody's coming to the forefront? And perhaps, you know, more important of all with, and I've noticed this with my friends and with my colleagues is, I know them so well, I can tell when they're not okay. And actually taking that break and actually really saying, are you okay? It's, you know, it's okay not to be okay right now, but can I help you? What's up? And and I think all of us in that regard, that's another means of where we can really demonstrate that inclusive behavior if, if people are struggling in this current situation. And I wonder for you all, what challenges have you faced? How have you maybe not been authentic where you finally sat up and said, you know what, I'm going to embrace myself as a woman. I'm going to embrace myself as a person of color, LGBTQ, and I'm going to bring my own folding chair and I'm going to learn from and overcome these challenges. There's stereotypes and challenges that you face that come from everywhere. And for me, those stereotypes have come in. There's been some internal stereotypes, you know, and I'll, I'll go through that in a second. And there's been some external stereotypes within our industry. And the internal ones for me, you know, I am an, you know, Indian Muslim woman 
I grew up in a very traditional Indian family. And, you know, for them, there was a role for that type, there was a role for women. And there was a role when you were younger and what you were supposed to do. And there was a role for you when you were older and what you were supposed to do. And so those stereotypes included, you know, the type of sports or activities I was supposed to do when I was a kid or the type of degree I was supposed to get or when I had kids, what I was supposed to do when I had kids versus what I wanted to do, which was to continue to work. And those were stereotypes that my own family placed on me. And I, and I had to really um, push against and um, just have the fortitude to say, no, like I love doing something else. And this is what drives me. And this is what I'm passionate about. So they weren't easy conversations. I don't think I didn't master them right off the bat. I had to have a little bit of persistence and faith in myself that um, and drive to be like, wait, no, I'm right here. Like, I, I actually do love this stuff. Um, and, and, you know, in time, your family loves you and, and they come around. Right. And so there was internal stereotypes for me, for sure. And then the external stereotypes and challenges I faced were just you know, as I entered this industry, there was definitely um, a role that women ended up taking more, you know, and it was there, I cut my teeth on those roles. I know I worked in partnership marketing, I worked in event execution, I did a lot of executional type work. But I realized that I just, that's not what drove me. And so when I started to realize where my skill set was, and, you know, it was in the area of financial analysis and ROI and measurement and strategy and strategic thinking, um, I had to lean in and say something to Teresa's point, like really use my voice to say, hey, no, I like to do this instead and I'm good at it. Uh, and at that time, I also had really great support, allies, mentors who was like, okay, if you think you can do this, I'm going to give you a platform to do it. And so it, it takes, you know, you don't overcome challenges just because you want to. I think both, two things have to happen. You have to be ready to do it, but society you know, has to also be ready for it to happen. And so there's some things that we will continue to work towards collectively as women and women of color and all of the things that we are trying to, to you know, push against. But, but both of those things are necessary. I'm a little older than a lot of you. So uh, I've been on that journey for a long time. I and mean, when I started out early in my career, I really felt uh, it's a little bit about my background. I'm the first member of my entire family to ever graduate from university. So I came from very humble beginnings and didn't have anybody that could help me from a university perspective wherever, or when I moved into business. And so my philosophy was, if I keep my head down and I just work hard, and irrespective of the fact that I feel that I'm not necessarily earlier in my career getting the same opportunities, I just need to work harder. I just need to work harder. And I suddenly came to that recognition as I sort of suddenly had made an impact. But I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, I need to actually have a little bit more backbone. And so what I talk to many of our young females at Deloitte about is I have this saying, less wishbone, more backbone. And the less wishbone, and it's something that I've learned early on, is do not just assume, work hard, keep your head down, um, and you'll be noticed. You actually need to have a voice. You actually need to have that backbone and learn very early on. And if I was to say something to my younger self now, it would be, I wish I'd had a voice earlier, earlier in my career and actually had the courage to speak up and to articulate what I, what I wanted and you know I'm interested in this role or I'm interested in supporting this particular project whatever it was but certainly have that voice 
And I think there is a personal journey that everybody goes through, right? And in terms of finding your voice, finding the the backbone or the courage that, you know, that both Terry and Zane have spoken about, there's definitely a personal journey you go through. Um, I think for myself, um, being in this role, heading up sponsorships for a very large company, I don't, there's not a lot of people that look like myself in this industry, um, specifically across the board. Um, and I've not, I've not been a traditional sponsorships lead either, meaning like I didn't grow up in the sports world, et cetera. Um, I've, you know, I've been with AT&T for about 14 years and this is my ninth role. So I've kind of grown up in the business. Um, and I've done some untraditional male roles. So I actually, one of my jobs was actually as a construction foreman. Um, so I wore the hard hat and the boots out in the trenches and I've done that. Yes. <laughs> and certainly it's roles like that, that really build character. Right. I, I mean, I was a totally different person coming out of that role than who I was when I went into it, but that's the stuff that is just so beautiful. Right. And that's all part of your journey and the things that you learn. Um, and now in this role, right. I, you know, there's been moments where, uh, the seller, I'll be in pitch meetings and the seller, frankly, doesn't realize that I'm the decision maker, right? And they're only talking to the men in the room. And I actually have a really specific uh, example where the president of a very prominent um, agency came to pitch us on an equally prominent esports opportunity. And this wasn't that long ago. And when I came into the room, the first question that I got asked was, can you fetch me some coffee? And so my response to that was, well, the cafeteria is downstairs and you can you know, help yourself to whatever you like. Um, and during the meeting, even though the executive that joined me in that meeting kept saying, well, actually, Shiz is the person you really need to be you know, referring your questions to, because, of course, this individual kept on referring to my male counterpart. Um, you know, and so I just jumped in. I just jumped in with the heavy, hard questions. I didn't let these people, you know, I didn't let him off the hook. And at the very end, he came up to me and said something to the effect of like, you really know your stuff, don't you? And I was like, why would you expect anything different? And so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think it was Terry, you were saying, what would you tell your younger self? And certainly there is that journey. I wouldn't have said that maybe, you know, even 15 years ago, I was such a different person back then. But if I, if I had that chance to go back in time, I'd be like, show him, show them who is boss every single time, right? Because sometimes it is about, certainly it's uncomfortable for you, but that's because they're making you uncomfortable. So guess what? Make them uncomfortable too. <laughs> in my own personal journey of all this, I've spent majority of my career in women's sports. And so a lot of times the work that I did was devalued because they'd considered our league not to be as big, what we worked on, the projects, the equal value, and even, you know, and nothing with you shiz at all but like even partners you know they wouldn't invest in us in the same way we see that and we this is something women's soccer has been fighting for a long time women's basketball women's sports as a whole but you know our products aren't seen as value therefore the people working in the, the organizations we weren't seen at a high value for the work that we were doing so even to this day you know i've had recruiters call me they know where i've worked they know what i've done and at the same time they'll be like you know well the the client that, you know, the club, the team, whatever, they're a little worried about the sponsorship dollars. They're a little worried about how many people you've overseen or the ticket sales. And I'm like, you understand the essence of the business. You knew this before you called. So, so it's one of those moments where it's like, it, it, even the work that we're doing to promote and move these leagues at times is also devaluing the work and the quality of people that are actually the ones really pushing something forward. And so it's something I've experienced in my career and, you know, continue to fight against it, obviously, and continue to, 
to move forward. But I know for many of those, they fear that when coming to work for women's leagues and women's programs about how does this actually transcend their career? Is it going to actually help their career from a long-term perspective? And so for a lot of the young people today that are, you know, thinking about their first careers and things of that nature, I tell you now you can get past it. Don't let them stop you. Trust me, I'm an example of that. And I live that every single day. You're able to create your own story in the midst of the in the midst of what people may think is less than we are not, we are more and we are equal. I am one of those female athletes that often gets devalued. Um, and while we've come so far um, from, you know, where women's sports started, uh, we still have a very long way to go. I feel like, you know, when I was in elementary and middle school, it was fine playing with the boys, you know, playing soccer at recess Sure, I might have gotten picked last a couple times, but they didn't mind having me in. But then, you know, as I went through middle school, started high school, um, there kind of was this divide of girls who stopped playing sports because they didn't see any way for them to continue to enjoy them. They felt that they had to start doing something else that was going to, you know, be more appropriate for them. And so I wanted to continue playing and I loved playing soccer, but I just slowly saw a lot of my friends, a lot of my teammates drop off to do pursue other stuff because their parents or their peers or society just wasn't kind of encouraging and pushing them to continue their career in sport. Um, and thankfully, I've always had a very supportive uh, family and very supportive friend group um, and coaches to get me through all the different teams and levels that I've been through. But um, you know, you get to the top where we're with the national team and you still see the discrepancies. You still see, um, you know, the comments on Instagram, the articles being written, the pay discrepancies. Um, and it, it is definitely something that um, is difficult to see sometimes because, you know, I know personally how much work I put in to, to be where I am today. And I know how much work my teammates put in and our partners put in and, you know, individuals that work for, for our leagues and our federation. And so it is definitely something that we, we really want to change. Um, and, you know, we're in the process of trying to change that. We have a lawsuit going and everything, but I definitely look back and um, want to say to the younger kids, to my younger self, that um, if you do enjoy playing a sport, if you do, love you know being out there and getting rough and dirty it is not something that's not meant for you it, it it is it is absolutely as meant for you as it is for a boy um and and to continue to pursue it no matter what someone says to you if you love it keep doing it because it's right for you sometimes you think that you're going on this journey alone and only people who look like you understand it or or want to champion it or want to push it forward and i actually took a period to reflect on my journey and went you know what, some of the people who gave me my first opportunities in sports were actually a white male. <laughs> um, they're completely different, has never walked in my shoes. And, and, you know, that really solidified to me that that's what an ally is. And, you know, I wonder, are, do you guys have allies? Are you guys allies for other people? Could you talk about, you know, those people that have really helped champion you? It's very important. It's been a very critical part of my own career and development is having allies that have helped push me forward in different ways. I think too now, when I go back to where we are in our careers now and from this leadership, and one thing I'm actually more sensitive to now, especially a lot of things I talk about, about women and things of that nature, um, I can talk about women in sports forever. But there's this other void that more recently has just kind of just perked in mind 
for me, for being an ally is for African-American men in this world um, and the lack of support that they receive and the way that they're perceived as aggressive many times, just as African-American women and, and all different people have their things. But for me right now in the business world of sport, really looking at how we hope to push our African-American males forward in the business of sport is something that I'm very conscious of. And I look at that entry level of those men coming out of college and how they're a part of this story because we're asking them to protect us. We also need to protect them. And so that's part of the things that I continue to look at. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question to ask um, if we think we're allies, because I feel like allyship requires um, you showing up every single day and choosing to be on someone's side, choosing to advocate for someone. So, you know, as much as I'd like to say I'm an ally, I would say that there probably have been times where people have thought that I'm not an ally. And hopefully there have been times where people have thought, yeah, she's a great ally. Um, But I think especially over these past, you know, nine months or so, I've I've really tried um, to find my voice and to not just personally support my friends and my teammates, you know, in a personal conversation or, you know, texting them or whatever it might be, but also supporting them when they're not in the room and advocating for them when they're not in the room. Um, And a lot of uh, this past year of learning all about um, Black injustice and all the ways that they're just disenfranchised throughout this, throughout society has been having the conversations when there's not a single Black person in the room. Um, and I am in a unique position where I am a white person. So I get to be in those spaces a lot more and I get to see and hear the things that need to be stopped a lot more because, you know, people aren't going to act the way that they do in front of me versus in front of a black person. Like it's very different. And so, um, I have tried my best to be an advocate for, um, people of color when they are not in the room, because that is some of the most important times um, for for an advocate to step up. And so, you know, they it does come with difficult conversations with family members or with white friends or um, colleagues, but it, it's so incredibly important in those times to kind of re- lean into that discomfort and to just allow it to happen in order for the growth to be had. And I think allyship can really come in, you know, call it big packages and small packages. You know, I think about Derek Jeter and that decision he made to hire Kim Ng um, as the first female general manager, first Asian American general manager for the Marlins. I mean, that is incredible. Um, And then, you know, you think about, you know, a lot of people might think, well, I can't make decisions like that, right? I don't have that kind of impact. And the reality is you do. Um, Even for myself, you know, it is about saying yes to those mentorship requests, you know, saying yes to a coffee, or even encouraging people that you see that have potential and maybe they haven't reached out to you, but then proactively reaching out to them to say, hey, let's have coffee. Let's just chat. Like, I'd like to get to know you better. Um, and certainly another another way in which that I, I you know, it's kind of an unconscious thing now, but if I have cold calls, I am more likely to take a cold call from a female than I am from a male, actually. So, um, you know, just these little ways in which that you are able to make an impact all it all adds up. And certainly, I think, as everybody's already talked about, um, even for myself, right, I'm in this role right now, because I have allies and people who are willing to give me a chance, I did not have experience in this space at all. And that took a lot of confidence in me and a lot of guts for somebody in the leadership role to say, you know what, let's give shiz, you know, give her the mic on this one, let's give her the opportunity. 
and certainly my boss who allows me to have the platform like this one, right, to, to represent, come on and, and represent the company in this way. Um, you know, certainly I really appreciate, you know, all of the, all of those opportunities as well. So I think, you know, allyship really does come in, you know, sometimes bigger packages and sometimes all the little ones that add up to, to become something much bigger. I am very passionate. I have uh, some very close friends that are gay and I will be, I will go, I will go to battle for them every single day because I have been in situations with them in restaurants, in other areas where we've traveled around different parts of the country or different parts of the world where they are definitely biased against and, and the way in which people talk to them and their actions. And uh, I know we've got a young audience, but I came very close to actually leaning over a hotel desk and virtually taking a hotel manager out because they were being so incredibly rude to, to my friends. But to me, there's, there's the allyship where you can say, look, I'm going to be a strong ally, but I would like to take it one step further. And that's really around advocating because we, we did a ton of research just recently and we found 93% of our young professionals believed that they were allies. But then when you actually ask them, do you use your voice when it really matters? Do you use your voice when you, like I was saying about this hotel clerk, do you really use your voice to advocate on behalf? And are you courageous to do that? And it was less than a third of people that felt comfortable doing that and they were scared of retaliation etc and so I applaud people being allies but really the true element is around how do you advocate and what you were talking about Nicole is people advocating for you you know they they're going to speak up for you and that to me is should be the new movement around how do we truly advocate for others in in and I I look to do that every day advocate for um, my black friends my black colleagues my gay friends um, uh, etc. Because it's it's not just saying yes, I understand. It's around in the times when they really need that support. I'm there, and I'm going to use my voice. You know, Nicole, when when you ask this question, it it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, and and I think it does because um, I I hope I am. I strive to be an ally and an advocate for others but it's really up to those individuals to say, hey, Z, you're doing a good job or, or it is helpful or it's not. And so I, I, I have a hard time with this question. Um, you know, that being said, I think my job now, in the, especially in this stage of my career, is to be that person. And it's the, the reason I, I do things like this is because and so that a young person who sees and not, you know, me as an Indian woman in this industry will call me or send me a note on LinkedIn and say, Hey, like, help me. I want to do this and I don't know how. And, you know, that's, that's my role now. And that's, you know, what I've tried to really lean into and make sure that I'm available to do. And, you know, just like probably everybody on this call, I've had really great allies and really great advocates all through my career, male and female. And they, those continue today. You know, I have, you know, the CMO of our company, Amy Gleason, who's known me for too long now, but, you know, has been my ally and my advocate. Same with Kathy Carter. Like, these are women who have seen me through my career, have seen me at my worst, and still said, this woman has something to say. She's good at her job. I'm going to prop her up and give her the vote of confidence to do the next thing in her life. And so um, I think, I, I hope that I, I can continue to be that voice and advocate for for others and I will continue to lean 
on the on the people that have helped me along the way as well. You know, we have a couple minutes left, but I wanted to end the call just acknowledging, you know, our audience who are just maybe getting started in their career or about to graduate from college. They're probably wondering, wow, this is a lot. This is a fantastic discussion, but how can I, who may not be a leader, be able to promote diversity, equity, inclusion? So in a couple words, I wonder if each of you guys could provide them some advice. I think it's around what you do on a day-to-day day-to-day basis. It's around a personal commitment. It's around actually, no matter how senior or junior you are, how old or young you are, actually step back, ask yourself, think about your 10 closest friends or your 10 closest work colleagues. How diverse is that group? And are you actually going to actively make an effort to get to know more people that don't necessarily look like you, have a different color skin, perhaps come from different socioeconomic backgrounds? That's the way that you can influence it is embrace people that are different from you. And it's really easy. It's not easy necessarily to, to do that, but it's easy to look to actually challenge yourself and say, what, what does my close network look like? And is it really a diverse network? And do I create that inclusive culture for my own personal friends? For me, the, the advice I would give is to be true to who you are. And if you, if you are one of those, you know, underrepresented people or women or whoever, um, and if you can do it, speak up and teach and educate. And, you know, I wish when I was younger that I would have been prouder of who I, who I am and who I was and use the opportunity to just teach people about my background and my culture and where I'd come from, because that teaching helps us progress. It just, it just helps everybody understand a little bit more. Uh, and so that would be my advice is just be you and, and be proud of it. Just add, it takes practice. We don't always get it right. It's okay. You can walk away from the moment and be like, oh, I probably should have done something different. And just know like you can either go back and fix it. You can always just apologize and take it in. Or you can say, you know what? The next time this opportunity comes to me, I'm going to handle it differently. So just also give yourself some grace in that knowing that you're not going to know it all, but know that in each interaction, in each moment, you have a choice and you have a chance to make a difference and just take it one step at a time. You know, the world doesn't change in a day. We all know that. But bit by bit, action by action, little by little, you have an opportunity to create change. And you have a voice, right? Every person has that voice and that opportunity to be a part of change. And so, you know, it's, Sometimes there's that first and sometimes that's hard and sometimes that's uncomfortable. That could be as simple as, you know, the uncomfortable conversations you might have to have, um, or it could be, you know, becoming the first female vice president of the United States. But certainly that takes a lot of courage and it, you know, every single person out there has that ability and the opportunity to be that change. So stay, stay firm and, and have the courage to do so. You bring incredible value to the table. Every part of you is valuable. And just as you should value yourself, you should value the other parts of other people. Um, you know, it, it may not look like you. They may not act like you. They may not be from the same background as you, but they are valuable in every piece that they bring to the table as well. So as much as, as you are fantastic, it is always a, a new day is a new opportunity to learn and to grow from someone else as well. You know, I just want to thank you all for as she said, bringing your voice to the table, educating me, educating our audience um, as, as we all want to build inclusive sports environments. So 
Danita, Terry, Tierna, Shiz, Zaylene, thank you so much for taking the time out today. Um, we really appreciate it. And we hope that everyone listening was able to learn from your shared stories, really understand how they can embody some of these lessons that you had you had placed on them and be able to impact the areas that they directly control, whether it's within soccer, sports, or in their everyday environments. Just want to thank you all again. Thank you, thank Nicole. You. Thank, thank you, everyone. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye.